Hello, and welcome to the Film Jerk Podcast. I am your host, Edward Havens. This week, we are going to do something completely different. We're going to take a look back at a movie that never was, that never was. This is the story of Kisses, the Elder. To get to Fanfare, the first track from the 1981 KISS album, The Elder, you have to go back a few years. In the early 1970s, the band formed in New York City. Peter Chris on drums, Paul Ace Freely on lead guitar, bassist Gene Simmons, and rhythm guitarist and lead singer Paul Stanley. The first few years, the band would have a reputation of being a great live band whose albums didn't really capture the energy of the live shows. They would eventually find success in 1975 by releasing a live album that was able to bridge the gap, and within a couple years, Kiss was everywhere. There was Kiss appearing besides Howard the Duck, and in the pages of their own Marvel comic series that was printed with a bit of blood of each member in the ink. There were Kiss pinball machines, Kiss trading cards, Kiss lunchboxes, Kiss dolls, Kiss board games, Kiss Halloween makeup kits, and one could become a member of the official KISS fan club, affectionately known as the KISS Army. But by 1980, the wheels had started to fall off the machine. Album sales were significantly down, merchandising sales were down, tour ticket sales were down, and the first KISS movie, a TV movie for CBS entitled KISS Meets the Phantom of the Park, was an embarrassment and a joke. After their 1980 album, Unmasked, failed to connect with the hardcore KISS fans who were unhappy with the new, more pop-oriented sound, or contemporary music fans who were against pretty much anything KISS stood for, the band would let drummer Peter Chris go, and guitarist Ace Frehley wanted to take the band back to their rock roots that made them famous in the first place. A notice in the fall 1980 issue of the Kiss Army newsletter even promised fans that the next album would be hard and heavy from start to finish. But Simmons and Stanley had other ideas. The two main men of Kiss felt that only a bold, artistic statement would make them relevant again. Ah, but what was that direction going to be? Simmons had been tinkering with an idea, a mythical story about good and evil. A land is in need of a hero and a young boy known as The Boy embark on an epic quest at the behest of a mysterious order to realize his destiny with the help of an aged mentor known as Morpheus. Sounds kind of familiar, am I right? While most of the experience of filming Phantom of the Park was not a fun experience for the remaining band members, Gene Simmons was bitten by the acting bug and had dreams of becoming a movie star. He was tired of the kabuki makeup, and he was tired of being both one of the most famous people in the world and some anonymous guy nobody recognized without the makeup. So Simmons wrote a treatment and some songs for a concept that would become The Elder. Simmons saw big things for The Elder. A movie, a soundtrack album, an elaborate tour to support the movie and album. And if things went well enough, a sequel movie a sequel soundtrack album, a sequel tour to support the sequel movie and album. But years later, 
Simmons would admit he wasn't sure it would make a good record or a good movie. He was just really in love with the jumping-off point he created for the story. When the Earth was young, they were already old. He would take the idea to various movie studios who really did want to be in business with KISS, but they would want to see more than just the 21-page plot synopsis he had worked out. So, just as the guys from ABBA and Tim Rice would do a few years later with Chess, Simmons decided to create a concept album that he envisioned would be the first step towards the Elder's global entertainment domination. The next step would be to re-team with Bob Ezrin, the renowned music producer who had previously produced Kiss's first platinum album, 1976's Destroyer, and was coming off Pink Floyd's bold artistic statement, The Wall, to produce The Elder. Freely wanted to record at his studio that he had built in his home in upstate New York, while Simmons and Stanley wanted to work in New York City. Ezrin, however, would win this battle, and most of the album would end up being recorded in the studio he had built in a converted barn on his farm outside Toronto. With a basic storyline for the elder set, Ezrin, Simmons, and Stanley mapped out the narrative on a blackboard and in the control room, marking where each song would appear in the story. Like the start of a musical show on Broadway or London's West End, fanfare with its sharp brass horns and monk-like chanting would set the tone for the story. And at a minute and 22 seconds, it was the shortest song on the album, and the only one that does not feature any member of the band playing on the song. The second track, entitled Just a Boy, would introduce listeners to the young, reluctant hero who would rise up to face an oppressive force, admitting he is worried about failing this mission. This would be the first track Bob Ezrin and Paul Stanley would collaborate together with during the recording sessions. Track 3 is, in my not-so-humble opinion, not only the best song on this album, but the single best song Kiss ever recorded, Odyssey. What I did not know until doing research for this podcast was that this song was not only not written by any member of the band, it wasn't even written for this album. The song was written by a New York City singer-songwriter named Tony Powers, who wrote this song as part of a music film concept he was working on in the late 70s. A music film was essentially a very long music video, or short movie, depending on your outlook and attitude. Anyway, here's a clip of the Kiss version. Oh! 
And here is uh, the same snippet from Powers' music film. From a far-off galaxy I hear you calling me We are on an odyssey Through the realms of time and space In that enchanted place You and I come face to face and if you uh, listen to the whole song and really listen to the lyrics, you'll hear that the song is not really about a young boy and his wizard companion, but a man trying to convince a woman they are each other's destiny. But it's in the final moments where you can really hear the operatic quality that was always present in Paul Stanley's voice that he never got to showcase before. Tied to the song's beautifully cinematic coda, Odyssey is a song that I can and have played on repeat a dozen times just listening to the incredible production quality of the entire piece. Years later, Paul Stanley would actually spend nine months playing the Phantom in a stage production of The Phantom of the Opera on stage in Toronto. Song 4, entitled Only You, finds the boy accepting his destiny, that he is the one who must fight the darkness that is coming to envelop his land. At least with this one, KISS fans could start to hear a semblance of the KISS that they were used to.
On track five, Under the Rose, Morpheus brings the boy before the Order of the Rose, where the young boy is placed on trial and warned of the dangers that he will face if he chooses to face his destiny. Track 6, Dark Light, would be one of three songs written for the album, where Bob Ezrin would bring in the legendary Lou Reed, for whom Ezrin produced the dark 1973 concept album Berlin, to help the band flesh out some of the song concepts. Borrowing from a song written by lead guitarist Ace Frehley and future Late Night with David Letterman drummer Anton Figg called Don't Run, Simmons and Reed would shape the song to represent the fear of the people of the land due to the chaos, destruction, and disorder brought forth by the powers of darkness. This would be the only song on the album featuring Ace Freely on lead vocals. Track 7, A World Without Heroes, began with a song idea Paul Stanley was working on for a previous Kiss album, but he stopped working on because he couldn't just make the lyrics work the way he heard it in his head. Simmons remembered the melody for that song and worked with Lou Reed on expanding it. The title of this song came from something Reed had scrawled on a piece of paper in the control room that Simmons really liked. A slow ballad, A World Without Heroes finds our young hero wondering what the world would be like if there was nothing left to fight for and no one to fight. One of only three songs to feature Simmons singing the lead vocals, A World Without Heroes would become the only single released for the album in the United States, where it would place no higher than 55th on the Billboard Top 100 charts. Where you don't know Track 8, The Oath, is the heaviest song on the album. Stanley and Ezrin would bring Tony Powers in to help write this song. 
about the young boy deciding to surrender himself to history, ready to give his word and his heart to this odyssey. Track 9, Mr. Blackwell, finally introduces us to the bad guy in the story. The third and final track, to be co-written by Reed, the song uses the singer-songwriter's masterful ability to bounce between first-person and third-person storytelling to reveal the genuinely diabolical being behind the darkness. You're also weak, you know it makes Track 10, Escape from the Island, is the second instrumental of the album, and unique in that neither Stanley nor Simmons play on it. It was a jam Ezrin on bass had worked on with Freely and new Kiss drummer Eric Carr at Freely's recording studio in upstate New York before most of the project was recorded in Ezrin's Toronto studio. And then there's track 11, I, the final track of the album. The young boy has professed his excitement in believing in himself, and he's ready to take on Mr. Blackwell and the forces of darkness.
It would be the only song on the album that featured shared lead vocals from Stanley and Simmons, and the song would end with a spoken word passage in which the elders of the Order of the Rose summon Morpheus to proclaim whether or not the boy is ready for his quest. Since they were recording in Toronto, Canadian actors Robert Christie, Chris Makepeace, the young star of Meatballs and My Bodyguard, and Anthony Parr were brought into the studio to record dialogue from Simmons' story to be used as bridges between the songs to help guide the story. That one-minute snippet is all that remains on the album. The album was recorded throughout the spring of 1981 and mixed during the summer. Kiss and Ezrin had managed to create a Kiss album unlike anything that had come before. And then the shit hit the fan. When Kiss played the album for the first time for their management team and their record company, Casablanca Records, in October, there were two general reactions, disarray and outright hostility. Their business manager, Howard Marks, would not allow his company's name to appear anywhere on the album and the record company would force the band to remove almost all of the dialogue that helped fill in the details of the story, and started moving songs around to have each side of the LP start with what they thought were the strongest songs. So instead of side one starting with the obvious opener, Fanfare, it instead opened with The Oath, which was supposed to lead into the third act of the story on side two. Odyssey, which was supposed to lead from Act 1 to Act 2 on Side 1 of the album, would now be towards the end of Side 2, following Escape from the Island, which was meant to signify the boy's readiness to fight the evil Mr. Blackwell. What should have been a playlist of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, became 8, 1, 2, 6, 4, 5, 7, 9, 10, 3... 8, and 11. It's little wonder, when the album was released on November 10, 1981, that KISS fans were pissed. It didn't look like a KISS album. For the first time, the four members of the band didn't appear on the cover of the album. There was only a hand reaching for a giant door knocker attached to a giant wooden door. And for the most part, it didn't sound like a KISS album with all these horns and strings and mumbo-jumbo about odysseys. And with the gatefold showing an empty table with several empty chairs around, only hinting at the storyline, who could make sense of this senselessness? The album would become the first Kiss album to not even reach the recording industry's gold record status 
of a half million units sold. To this date, 39 years after its release, it still sold only about 400,000 units. It would also be the first time KISS would not tour in the United States to support an album. The only promotional appearances they would put in to support The Elder were in January 1982, when they performed I, The Oath, and A World Without Heroes on the ABC sketch comedy show Fridays, I, and A World Without Heroes on the syndicated music show Solid Gold, and a lip-sync performance of I at the famed Studio 54 Disco in New York City, which was broadcast via satellite to the San Remo Music Festival in Italy, which would form the basis of the annual Eurovision Song Contest. The band would not perform any of the songs from The Elder live in concert for more than a decade, and there are currently no plans to release any kind of definitive version of the album with the excised voiceovers and other materials. Yet, the album has found an appreciative audience over the years, in large part to, due to the 1997 remastered CD version of the album, which finally put the released songs in proper order. In 2011, the rock website Guitar World listed it amongst the 50 great albums that were celebrating their 30th anniversary that year. In 2016, Classic Rock Magazine listed it as one of the 20 most underrated classic rock albums ever. The following year, the website Roadie Crew ranked it number 22 on their list of the 40 greatest concept albums of all time. And in 2018, the French edition of Rock Hard Magazine included The Elder in their Volume 2 of Ideal Metal Tech Concept Albums. I remember where I was when I first heard it. My friend Mark was a huge KISS fan, and he bought the 8-track version of the album the day it came out. We ran right from school to the local warehouse record store about a mile away, bought it, and then ran right to his house around the corner from my house. And the 8-track would be even more confusing than the LP, since each 2-track section of an 8-track tape could only hold about 11 and a half minutes of music. The track listing for The Elder on the 8-track was split even worse, with one song, Dark Light, being split in two, so the first part of the song would fade out towards the end of the first side, and then fade back in on the second side to finish the song. And another fanfare being removed completely, even though it was the shortest song of the bunch. Suffice to say, Mark hated it. It wasn't Kiss. Fuck all that. Kiss can certainly go to hell, he said. I am not even sure if he ever listened to it a second time. He certainly never talked about the album again. Being a little more open-minded about music, I was intrigued but confused by the album. I wouldn't go out to buy it for myself. In fact, I wouldn't even think about the album again for more than 35 years until I started brainstorming ideas for this podcast. Oh, I thought to myself, you know what could be interesting? A show about a movie that never happened. Because after the commercial and critical failure of the album, no studio wanted anything to do with the making of a movie based on it. Ask Bjorn and Benny from ABBA and Tim Rice. Their chess concept album was a worldwide smash, despite being a double LP, and spawned several songs that would chart on various singles charts around the world. Even if you've never actually heard of chess, you know at least one song from it. One night in the 
Even with a globally successful album release, which led to a London West End production that played for nearly three years, the failure of a retooled chess on Broadway in 1988 put the kibosh on any attempts to turn that into a feature film ever. When I was reminded of The Elder and decided to do a podcast on it more than a year ago, I went onto the KISS YouTube page, listened to the songs for the first time in forever, and I was mildly surprised at how well most of them had held up after 39 years. But I still think it wouldn't have succeeded in 1981, even if the record company released it the way it was meant to be heard, in large part because the concept behind the concept album was incomplete. What good is the tale of a hero's journey if you never actually get to the major conflict in said journey? The album ends with Morpheus assuring the Order of the Rose that the boy is ready for the quest. It's like ending Star Wars just as Luke and Obi-Wan have hired Han and Chewie to take him to Alderaan. Ending Raiders of the Lost Ark as Indy and Marion arrive in Cairo to meet up with Sala. Ending Back to the Future just as Marty arrives in 1955. I mean, yeah, that's kind of how Peter Jackson ended The Fellowship of the Ring, but that was always planned as a three-movie story, and it was based on a best-selling book known to several generations. The Elder didn't have any of that. With The Elder's 40th anniversary coming up in 2021, it would be nice if Universal Music Group, who now owns the rights to The Elder through their acquisition of Island Records, who acquired the rights to all Casablanca Records recordings in a, in a bankruptcy hearing, would work with the band to recreate the original concept for the album, with all the narration and the dialogue and the incidental music that may have been recorded for the album, subsequently returned to their proper place. The complete Elder might not become a million-selling album, but UMG has shown, for example, that their work with Tears for Fears on ultimate packages of their first three albums, that there's a market for these niche products. Hell, I'd buy a complete Elder set myself, if I didn't get a copy for review purposes. So, there you have it. The Elder. The movie that never was, that never was. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon. The Film Jerk Podcast has been researched, written, narrated, and edited by Edward Havens, and is a production of Idiosyncratic Entertainment. If you like the show, please tell a friend to take a listen, would you? Thank you again. Good night. <laughs>